people just keep testifying every week. It's like a game of Clue, where every single person is saying, it was the fat guy in the Oval Office who took the phone. Yep. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPSA 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, also in California in... Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. We're heard in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining uh, us today. And uh, Desi, it just broke, did it? it finally? We've yes. been waiting for the... The ruling so you were waiting we for. We were waiting for the past hour for this to break. We knew it was coming from a federal court, and now it has broken. I will give you the uh, short version of it here because we don't know much. Uh, Spencer Sue seems to be the first one to have broken the news from uh, Washington Post, their legal reporter, uh, breaking judge rules. Ex-White House counsel Don McGahn must comply with House subpoena in impeachment inquiry as Trump's claim that top aides have, quote, absolute immunity against testifying will now trigger a historic separation of powers confrontation. So that literally just in as we were going to air, as the top of the hour uh, uh, introduction music there was playing, uh, I will try to learn more about it at the break and share it with you. Because as usual, in the era of Donald Trump, there is a lot going on today. Far too much for us to cover on one single show, especially following a riveting two weeks of public impeachment hearings which we have been covering each and every day on this program, uh, with more uh, potential hearings ahead, by the way. Maybe even Don McGahn, maybe now even John Bolton, now that Don McGahn has been told that, yes, he must comply with the subpoena. Uh, so we have been uh, covering these, maybe more to come in the U.S. Intelligence Committee, uh, and then there will be hearings in the Judiciary House Judiciary Committee and then likely a trial in the U.S. Senate of the president of the United States where he could be removed 
from office. So all of that seems kind of important to me. And uh, so as maddening as it is to have to cover Donald Trump on any day of the week, much less these many days in a row now, uh, it seems important. Yes, the potential removal of a president of the United States in only the fourth impeachment inquiry in our nation's history does seem kind of important. So we will continue to cover that today with some more of your calls as we did last week at this time. Uh, as it may be our only chance before the Thanksgiving holiday to uh, fling open the phones here. My number this hour, for those of you listening live in Southern California or on our live web stream around the country and the world, 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number if you'd like to queue up now. Uh, as I'd like to take your temperature again. After week two of the public impeachment hearings on how or if the second really blockbuster week of testimony may have moved you one way or another in your assessment as to whether this president should be impeached and removed from office on the basis of his many abuse of power crimes that he is now being investigated for. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of other stuff going on in the meantime, some of it very important, others of it largely a distraction, as I see it, from the president's current woes. In that latter category, I would put his ridiculous meeting with a dog at the White House on Monday, said to be one of the dogs that was used during the U.S. military special ops killing of uh, ISIS leader Baghdadi in uh, Syria several weeks ago. That sucked up a lot of uh, TV news time throughout the day because apparently the corporate TV media will cover any stupid thing that Donald Trump suggests they should. And I would... Um, also, by and large, place the controversy over the firing of Trump's Navy secretary on Sunday in response to Trump's orders to block the punishment of a U.S. Navy SEAL who was found guilty of a war crime related to the killing of an unarmed man in Iraq uh, to, to also, frankly, be a helpful distraction for Donald Trump. Yes, the Pentagon is said to be furious about what Trump did in pardoning war criminals, and it, too, could be seen, by the way, as an abuse of power by this president. And it's uh, certainly part of his uh, ruination of longstanding American institutions like the U.S. military and its military uniform military code of justice. But for now, I think all the conversation about it on Monday is largely helpful to Trump as it turns us all away from the grotesque bribery scheme in which he was found to have held up White House uh, a White House meeting and some $400 million in congressionally approved assistance to Ukraine in hopes of forcing them to announce an investigation into his potential 2020 political rival, Joe Biden, uh, and an investigation into an evidence-free theory uh, a, a Russia-propagated theory that Ukraine, not Russia, hacked into the DNC's server during the 2016 presidential campaign. And then there is the important stuff that I do hope to cover in coming days, but can't. So we're going to try—can't cover it today, uh, but where we can try to fit it in, we will, including a number of disturbing stories about our election systems as we barrel towards the 2020 election that Donald Trump was hoping to game in his scheme with Ukraine. 
uh, and problems with brand new voting systems that are wildly hackable, vulnerable, prone to error and 100 percent unverifiable after uh, uh, after the election. New systems now are set for use by all voters at the polls here in Los Angeles next year for the first time here in the most populous county in the nation, as well as the entire battleground state of Georgia and in Philadelphia in the crucial battleground state of Pennsylvania, many other locations, despite their failure in the recent off-year elections. These new machines. And despite the fact that after the election, according to experts, there is no way to know whether any ballot cast on these computer marked uh, paper ballot summaries that are printed out by the new Los Angeles system and the new Georgia system and the new Pennsylvania system, etc. No way to know if those uh, selections that voters choose by a touchscreen actually reflect the intent of any voter. That seems important, too, doesn't it? Uh, There have been a number of fairly explosive stories to that end in recent days that we've had to sort of preempt here for our impeachment coverage, though I will try to circle back to as many as I can in the days ahead, Uh, including, by the way, the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, giving all Brads a bad name by announcing... Uh, an official, if entirely bogus, investigation of a number of election integrity advocates and world-class computer scientists and security professionals on the ground in uh, in Georgia, folks who you have heard on this show many times over the years, now being harassed by the Secretary of State of Georgia, um, where these election integrity folks have been conducting studies Uh, on the ground during election days, finding that vast majority of voters who who vote on touchscreen computer ballot marking devices like those coming to L.A. do not review the printed ballot that the computer prints in order to assure that it actually matches their vote selections on the touchscreen. Also, the man who invented the post-election risk-limiting audit protocol, you may have heard of it, called RLA, risk-limiting auditing, um, that has done post-election. Officials publicly hand-count a small sample of ballots to assure that the machines tallied them correctly. Well, that man, Philip Stark, a professor at UC Berkeley who invented the RLA protocol has now publicly resigned from the nonprofit group Verified Voting. Uh, many of uh, whose members, by the way, and advisors have been on this program repeatedly over the years. Uh, Philip Stark has declared that Verified Voting, an otherwise respected group of computer scientists and voting machine experts, is participating in sham post election audits of ballots that were cast on computer-marked paper, which uh, Stark says, uh, and again, he invented the protocol for these post-election audits that you'll you'll hear coming from uh, here in L.A. Uh, Dean Logan, our county clerk, has said, oh, yeah, we're going to run our L.A.'s after the election to make sure that the machines tallied things correctly. Well, the man who invented the RLA protocol says it is meaningless And it gives uh, false confidence to voters to do post-election audits of computer ballot marking devices, uh, votes that were cast on these computer marked ballots. Yes, he says those risk limiting audits will, you know, supposedly be used here in Los Angeles 
despite the inventor of the RLA protocol calling them a sham. I got that note from uh, Phil Stark when he was out somewhere uh, on the on the Red Sea in the middle of the night uh, over the weekend. Uh, and so his uh, his resignation letter is extraordinary, and he's calling for others at verifiedvoting.org to stop working with this organization for this reason. Well, it seems like it should make a difference to people when the inventor of the risk-limiting audits says, hey, your risk-limiting audits don't work. And you might expect that it wouldn't make a difference to people like Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, but you would think it would make a difference to uh, a, a, a fine organization called Verified Voting, who has the word verified in their name, for Christ's sake... Uh, When one of their own uh, board members, Phil Stark, is saying, stop doing this, stop participating. Verified Voting participated with Georgia and with Pennsylvania after the off-year elections a few years, uh, a few weeks ago uh, to carry out these uh, sham post-election audits. And he's had enough. So we hope to get him on this program when we can, uh, when he returns from wherever he is on the Red Sea. Uh, so that's one of the stories we're not covering today, Desi Doyen. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and There's uh, just too much. There is. Also, but I need to note the uh, on Monday, New Jersey's Assembly, here's some good news, voted to restore voting rights to some 83,000 people on parole and probation in the Garden State, hopefully overturning a law from 1844 that prevented former felons from participating in the voting franchise in the state. I hope to have more on a related story on tomorrow's broadcast. And yes, oh yeah, since we were talking to Desiree there, that spill on the Keystone Pipeline in North Dakota that, Des, that you reported on on our Green News report a few weeks back? Yep. Well, I'm sure you will be shocked to learn that over the weekend uh, we discovered that it was actually 10 times larger than the pipeline's Canadian owners admitted when the uh, news of the spill first became public. Surprise! It's always like it that. Is it always is always like far, that. far bigger of a spill than the oil company that caused the spill ever admits, admits to yep. until they are forced to by regulators. It actually went from, you know, what they said, oh, it's just a couple thousand, you know, a couple hundred square feet. It's actually five acres worth, and it's in crucial wetlands, and these are dirty tar sands that really cannot be cleaned up out of wetlands. So by all means, let's get that Keystone XL version which is a larger pipeline. Let's get that built as soon as possible. Uh, anyway, hopefully, Des, you, I, I'm guessing, I don't know, but I suspect you may have more on our Green News report also during tomorrow's broadcast. We're if the radio try. gods are with us. <laughs> There's just so much going uh, on. So we'll try to get to as much of that as we can in the weeks ahead. Wish us luck. But I do want to stick with impeachment today before everyone scrambles back to their families for the holidays later this week. Uh, you may need some ammunition. Uh, rhetorical ammunition, let me be clear. Uh, And so I would love to hear how the past week of hearings has moved you one way or another. My phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. As I suspect, most of you were not able to follow all of the -the gavel-to-gavel coverage of the hearings. Even I uh, couldn't uh, follow all of them because I had to do a show each and every day and because the Democrats decided to throw in a presidential debate last week at the same time just to make it completely impossible. So uh, 
let me try to summarize our story so far, and then we'll get to your calls. Working uh, from the L.A. Times, uh, who did a nice uh, sort of summary of some of the most noteworthy surprises and damning revelations over the past week. There were in total 12 witnesses, dozens of hours of testimony, thousands of pages of documents, all spread over five different days in two weeks of these historic impeachment hearings. The House right now is weighing whether to bring articles of impeachment against Donald Trump for pushing Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to open investigations into Trump's political enemies, including an energy company named Burisma that once employed the son of former President Joe Biden. And he was pushing for a investigation into a debunked conspiracy theory that Ukraine, not Russia, interfered in the 2016 U.S. election. Now, without a public announcement that Ukraine would open those investigations, we learned, by the way, this past week that they didn't really have to do the investigations. They just had to announce it. They just had to act like they were doing one. Trump didn't really care about the investigation. He just wanted them to say they were doing it so his reelection campaign could get the benefit of that soundbite for campaign ads. Um Anyway, without that public announcement, Trump refused to agree to a White House meeting with Zelensky. He also blocked the release of nearly 400 million in congressionally approved aid to help Ukraine fight its war with Russia. Trump's request for the investigation, which he called a, quote, favor, uh, came during that infamous July 25 phone call between the two leaders, which prompted a whistleblower complaint and has launched this impeachment inquiry. Now, several new things came to light over the past week. Here are a number of them. Uh, much has been made about the July 25 call between Trump and Zelensky, but the public hearings last week revealed for the first time that there was also a significant call the day after that. A July 26 phone call that a staffer in the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine overheard between ambassador to the uh, to the EU, Gordon Sondland. Uh, he was e eating with this staffer, with this longtime nonpartisan staffer by the name of David Holmes uh, at an outdoor restaurant in Kiev and was able to overhear the call between Sondland and, yes, Donald Trump. Holmes was deposed and called to testify publicly where he described hearing Trump's voice booming out from this unsecured cell phone at an outdoor restaurant in a nation at war with an adversary. Uh, with Holmes explaining that it was loud enough so that he could hear both sides of the conversation. He said that he heard Trump ask Sondland whether Zelensky had agreed to the uh, to do the investigations that Trump had demanded the day before on the phone call. I heard Ambassador Sondland greet the president and explain he was calling from Kiev. I heard President Trump then clarify that Ambassador Sondland was in Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland replied, yes, he was in Ukraine and went on to state, President Zelensky, quote, loves your ass. I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigation. Ambassador Sondland replied that he's going to do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to do. I then took the opportunity to ask Ambassador Sondland for his candid impression of the president's views on Ukraine. In particular, I asked Ambassador Sondland if it was true that the president did not give a expletive about Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland agreed that the president did not give an expletive about Ukraine. 
I asked why not. Ambassador Sondland stated that the president only cares about big stuff. I noted there was big stuff going on in Ukraine, like a war with Russia. And Ambassador Sondland replied that he meant big stuff that benefits the president, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. Now, uh, Trump says he does not remember that phone call with Sondland. Uh, that despite Trump's claims uh, previously that he has the world's best memory. Uh, nonetheless, he doesn't remember any such phone call. Sondland, on the other hand, testified that the White House confirmed to him that, yes, that call did take place. Uh, also, while we, knew, while we knew about the July 25 call the day before, uh, before that cell phone call in a Kiev restaurant, we did not know about uh, previously about July 25 emails that were sent from Ukrainian officials to the U.S. Defense Department asking, hey, what's the holdup on that $400 million in security assistance that Congress had allocated? Laura Cooper, a Pentagon official specializing in Ukraine, told lawmakers during her testimony last week about those emails. When Ukrainians learned about the delay, uh, that turns out to be quite crucial here because Republicans are arguing that, well, none of this was a quid pro quo because the Ukrainians had no idea that the military aid was being withheld. Well, yes, apparently they did. New evidence suggests exactly that, that they were very aware of it and uh, that they were worried about it as the administration was pressuring them to offer dirt on the 2016 election and the Bidens. And apparently they knew about it a full month earlier than had been previously known before last week's impeachment hearings. Um, the uh, military assistance was finally, yes, it was released on September 11. That turns out to be just two days after Congress began looking into the situation because the whistleblower had filed a complaint and Congress heard about it. As uh, Intelligence uh, Chair Adam Schiff, my congressman, by the way, out here in L.A., uh, as he explained during one of his fantastic closing statements last week, they turned over the money to Ukraine, quote, because they got caught. Only after it became clear that they got caught did they turn over that money to Ukraine. Now, I had, uh, you know, we had a, a number of callers last week when I opened the phone lines who said, yeah, no, they didn't do it. They had no idea there was a, a quid pro quo going on. I don't think this is impeachable. There's no crime here. Well, if you still feel that way, I would still love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. Or if you felt that way and any of this uh, testimony over this past blockbuster week has changed your mind, I would also love to hear from you. Anyway, moving on, the week's biggest blockbuster was almost certainly the testimony from Trump's EU ambassador, Gordon Sondland. He was a, uh, a witness specifically requested by Republicans. He didn't help uh, the Republican case so much, however, he had donated. He was a Trump donor, donated one million dollars to Trump's inauguration and, of course, was given the plum job of being the ambassador to the EU. Uh, he had um, already in his closed door deposition, uh, he had defended the president, uh, disputing the idea that there was any improper quid pro quo here. But, however, uh, multiple other witnesses contradicted his testimony, and therefore Sondland, 
who uh, had already been forced to revise his depo- uh, his uh, deposition amid uh, discrepancies with these other witnesses, he changed his tune even more during his public appearance, uh, which, as I say, was blockbuster. Moreover, he testified under oath that everybody at the top echelons of the Trump administration knew about the scheme. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes. We all understood that these prerequisites for the White House call and the right White House meeting reflected President Trump's desires and requirements. Everyone was in the loop. These emails show that the leadership of the State Department the National Security Council, and the White House were all informed about the Ukraine efforts from May 23, 2019 until the security aid was released on September 11, 2019. Mr. Giuliani's requests were a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit for President Zelensky. Mr. Giuliani demanded that Ukraine make a public statement announcing the investigations of the 2016 election DNC server and Burisma. Mr. Giuliani was expressing the desires of the President of the United States, and we knew these investigations were important to the President. He had to announce the investigations. He didn't actually have to do them, as I understood it. (laughs) So don't even bother to do them, dude. I just need you to say you're doing them. Uh, Gordon Sondland went on to agree with Democrats that it was wrong for the president to ask a foreign government to investigate a political rival to, yes, interfere with our upcoming presidential election, the most critical presidential election, arguably, in the history of this nation. And then Sondland implicated a list of other senior administration officials, all of whom he said were in that loop. Everyone was in the loop. Vice President Mike Pence, Energy Secretary Rick Perry, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and others. Everyone was in the loop, he said. It was no secret. Sondland also blew a huge hole in one of the key GOP defenses of Donald Trump that he withheld the aid because he was concerned about Ukraine taking steps to root out corruption in that country? Really? So the way to stop uh, corruption in Ukraine is to bring on uh, all the corruption that you can in U.S. elections and uh, make $400 million in congressional uh, allocated money contingent on Zelensky, on Ukraine, participating in our own corruption. Uh, But as you've heard, Sondland said uh, Zelensky uh, only had to announce the investigation, did not actually have to do them, leaving the impression from Sondland, who was the witness closest to Trump in all of this, at least to have testified so far, that the president really only cared about the PR value of that probe into his rivals. The hold on nearly $400 million in aid uh, was announced by an Office of Management and Budget, OMB, staff member uh, who said that it was being done at the direction of the president. He also testified last week nearly every 
uh, witness testified that despite persistent efforts, they never got a full explanation from the White House of why the aid to Ukraine was being withheld or why it was eventually restored. And um, so we'll get we've got a little bit of breaking news on that today as well. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, most who testified, including Sondland, said they presumed it was, in fact, related to the push for these investigations in Ukraine. Now, the fact that Ukraine policy had been hijacked by Donald Trump and his Trump loyalists um that was previously known even before we started the public hearings, but the, the public hearings brought all of this into focus. Fiona Hill, Trump's own former Russia expert at the White House National Security Council, testified about the two different ongoing tracks of Ukraine diplomacy that was being carried out by U.S. officials. One involved national security and foreign policy. That's what she was working on. And then there was this separate track set up by Trump and Giuliani to fulfill what she derided as a domestic political errand. That's a quote. They were working on a domestic political errand. And it was often in conflict with the uh, NSC's uh, national security efforts. She also spoke directly to the evidence-free Trump-Giuliani GOP claims that, oh, yes, it was Ukraine, not Russia, who interfered in the 2016 election, and that the Russians are preparing to do so again in 2020. Again, this is Trump's own top Russia expert on his own White House Security Council, Fiona Hill. Based on questions and statements I've heard, some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country, and that perhaps, somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. The unfortunate truth is that Russia was the foreign power that systematically attacked our democratic institutions in 2016. This is the public conclusion of our intelligence agencies, confirmed in bipartisan congressional reports. It is beyond dispute. The Russian government's goal is to weaken our country, to diminish America's global role, and to neutralize a perceived US threat to Russian interests. Right now, Russia's security services and their proxies have geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. We are running out of time to stop them. In the course of this investigation, I would ask that you please not promote politically driven falsehoods that so clearly advance Russian interests. We must not let domestic politics stop us from defending ourselves against the foreign powers who truly wish us harm. So that was uh, Fiona Hill, um, again, Russia, uh, uh, Donald Trump's own Russia expert, saying no, uh, forwarding the idea that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election is not true. And it's exactly what Russia hopes for. So we had some callers who seemed to suggest uh, the opposite last week when I opened the phones, that Ukraine, not Russia, interfered in 2016 on behalf of Hillary Clinton, not of Donald Trump. Uh, as I said, if you still feel that way, even after last week's testimony, I would love to hear from you as to what evidence uh, you may have access to that maybe I haven't seen, that Donald Trump's own top Russia expert has not seen. My phone number is 818-985-5735. Uh, also, I'd like to hear from you if you feel even uh, more strongly right now about the case for impeachment after watching week two, this uh, blockbuster week. 
Uh, we had, oh, shoot, we had somebody on the line who was an independent who was sort of halfsies on well, it. He, he we, said we that he him. was torn oh, on okay. that, so I was looking forward to hearing from yeah, it. Maybe he got disconnected. Hope he'll call, call back. back. <laughs> call back. We'd love to hear from him. Uh, one more here before we go to break, and then we'll come back to your calls. Uh, on Sunday evening, uh, Washington Post offered an exclusive on the panic inside the White House to come up with some sort of legal justification for Trump's order to withhold that money, uh, hundreds of millions in military assistance that was approved by Congress for Ukraine. A confidential White House review of Trump's decision to place a hold on the aid has turned up hundreds of documents. Washington Post reports that reveal extensive efforts to generate an after-the-fact justification for the decision and it reveals a debate over whether the delay was legal at all in the first place. The research uh, by the White House Counsel's Office was, uh, was triggered by a congressional impeachment inquiry uh, that was announced in September. The Post reports, including early August email, ex- it includes early August email exchanges between acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and White House budget officials uh, seeking to provide an explanation for withholding the funds after the president had already ordered the hold on the funds back in uh, in mid-July. One person who was briefed on the records examination that the White House lawyers uh, were carrying out are expressing concerns that the review has turned up some unflattering exchanges and facts. Oh, it's those facts again. Uh, facts that could, at a minimum, embarrass the president. Uh, at least if they are uh, revealed uh, publicly and they could become political problems for this president. So uh, that's just some of what's going on. And, oh, yes, uh, when we take a quick break here, I'll try to get more details on this court order from a judge that, yes, the former White House counsel, Don McGahn, does, in fact, have to testify to the lawful congressional subpoena that had to do uh, with the uh, with the Mueller report, actually, in which Don McGahn testified in the Mueller report to at least 10 different instances of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump as he was trying and trying and trying to kill the Mueller probe for some crazy reason. I don't know why. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with much more, including your calls right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. There's just one thing that you need to know. Trump said do 
us a favor, though. Everybody! There's just one thing that you need to know. Trump said, do us a favor, though. I'll keep you my dirty little secret. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Once again... Uh, taking your calls at 818-985-5735 if you have been moved one way or another regarding the impeachment of Donald J. Trump, the ongoing impeachment. We started off at the top of this hour with the uh, ruling that came in literally as we uh, lit up this show today. A federal judge has ruled late Monday that former White House counsel Don McGahn must obey a subpoena for his testimony issued by the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, that's a decision with a federal judge that the Trump administration is certain to appeal, according to NBC News. The Justice Department had argued that uh, Donald Trump's top staffers have, quote, absolute immunity from testimony. Uh, from testimony. They do not have to testify. Well, a federal judge says that is not true. A lot of people were waiting for this decision from that judge. A lot of people, including uh, folks like John Bolton, who has indicated he would like to testify in this Ukraine matter. And now that they see that they have no absolute immunity, as the White House has been arguing, um, they just uh, some of these folks may actually come on in and testify if they are called. However, since that decision is likely to be appealed, uh, Adam Schiff has said we are moving forward anyway. We are not waiting at this time for any uh, uh, further uh, testimony from any of these folks. We are moving ahead because here's the secret. When this whole thing gets to the U.S. Senate, as it is likely to do after the first of the year, the uh, House managers who are prosecuting the case, the trial in the U.S. Senate, can call any witnesses they like to come and testify. And at that point, it'll be up to the presiding judge, Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who would be overseeing a presidential impeachment trial. It would be up to him whether to say uh, whether a uh, any particular witness must be compelled to testify or not. So essentially you're saying that would be like an instant Supreme Court opinion. Yeah. Rather than having to appeal this decision and then wait for the Supreme Court to hear it months and months down the road, Schiff is saying, you know what, the hell with it. Let's move forward. Let's send this over to the House Judiciary Committee. They can work up articles of impeachment and vote on it. Then it's voted on by the full House. Then it goes to the U.S. Senate for a trial. And during that trial, yes, they can call Don McGahn. They can call John Bolton. They can call the president of the United States if they want. And it'll be up to Chief Justice John Roberts whether those people must appear. Well, it should save time, hopefully. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Has week two of the blockbuster week two of the impeachment hearings changed your feelings one way or to other about the impeachment of Donald Trump? Let's go to Roger in Minneapolis. Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you, Brad and Desi. Always an honor. <laughs> um, a couple quick things. First of all, certainly nothing that has been, has been happening for quite some time has um, moved my opinion about the removal 
of the occupant of the White House. It is absolutely essential that we do so, and the seven-alarm fire is quickly turning into a 47-alarm fire. Um, uh, I also want to point something out that I think might ha- you guys might have gotten an inkling of last week. I do have a life, but my life consists <laughs> partly of listening to a lot of talk shows while I go about the other parts of my day. Uh-huh. And that string of callers that you had last week, I was able to match their voices with three other call-in programs. Yeah. Two of the callers were definitely, um, <clears throat> I, I suspect, paid uh, orchestrated uh, people probably calling under the auspices of the American Enterprise Institute or something like that. So um, uh, I'll just mention that. Had you been- feel there were paid shills calling in here to, to explain why they didn't agree with the impeachment of, of Trump? A, a couple of them were. Yeah. There was another that had more sincere arguments mm-hmm. that I think was not. All right. Um, but but I do believe that there were paid shows last right. week, and I think that they're on. They're hot on the tails of you and Stephanie Miller and uh, Tom Hartman <laughs> and um, a few other people. Um, at any rate, I'll mention good, that. good. That's fine. fine because I'd like to hear their arguments because so far I haven't heard much of an argument, and I think having this conversation may be very helpful to a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of listeners who are going to have to head, you know, home for Thanksgiving and meet up with their uh, MAGA hat wearing relatives who will make a similar case. So I'm happy to have the conversation. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, with regard to how I am beginning to feel about the impeachment hearings. I I am very concerned that if the point is narrowed down to what in the pinheadedness of the minds of way too many of our um, populace, um, uh, uh, I'm afraid if the point is narrowed down to something that appears to them to be rather esoteric, they don't care about Ukraine, and a lot of them don't really know what the rule of law is about Mm -hmm. at all. I'm worried that they're simply going to begin tuning this out. If this thing is not mapped out to be a far more sweeping indictment of a whole long list of crimes, I'm concerned that it's it's going to be narrowed down to a small enough of a a summit on the mountain that... Uh, a, a lot of people are simply going to dismiss it as not of concern. Well, Roger, you know what? They could bring in the porn stars. That would make people pay attention, don't you think? I mean, we have this huge crime that Donald Trump's own uh, attorney is actually sitting in jail for that involves porn stars and hush money payoffs that the president of the United States carried out while he was in office. And I still don't understand uh, why uh, nobody, whether it's Adam Schiff or Jerry Nadler, are, are bringing those folks in, are making more of that. I do hope those show up in the articles of impeachment. Uh, but I hear you, Roger, and I, I can, I'm can i concerned about that as well. It's one of the reasons why I think it's important to tell the story. I think it's important to inform the public because, sure, they're going to at some point tune out. Uh, but if they do so, it is on them. They are the ones turning away from the rule of law and national security and uh, facts and truth. And so the best I can do to make help people understand the truth uh, well, I think that's my job uh, with this you responsibility. You guys do a great job. Thank you. You guys do Thanks. a great job. Thank you so much. Thanks, Roger. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, stay warm up there in Minneapolis. Let's go to uh, Jane down here, where it's a bit warmer in Studio City. Uh, hey, Jane, welcome to the broadcast. 
Hi. Hi. I just, nothing changed my mind. I was convinced he was a, a grifter and a criminal. It just reinforced everything. But my main thing is that I've read multiple sources that says the Russian tax, the RNC as well. And no one is mentioning that. I mm. didn't even get a, a, a denial on snow. Well, so because, why, yeah, go ahead. What, what was your question there? Why did they what? Why isn't why aren't any of the news outlets saying this? Ah, well, because I don't know that it has been confirmed that they uh, hacked the RNC, at least in the same way. We do know there was some, I recall during the 2016 elections, actually sharing some uh, some emails that were newsworthy from uh, from Colin Powell. Uh, from Condoleezza Rice, as I recall. So, yeah, there was some hacking there, but I don't think they released them on that scale, and therefore they haven't been uh, confirmed. And, well, why would Donald Trump's Department of Justice or intelligence community want to, uh, you know, make him look bad by saying, yeah, the RNC was uh, hacked as well? I don't know. We just know they can. We know this is child's play. We we know all of this. This is why I'm so worried about the voting systems, uh, both in 2016 and in 2020. Yes? But don't you think that instead of wondering why all the Republicans are lockstepping with Trump, would this be a reason that they are essentially being blackmailed because they got a whole bunch of email on those clowns as well. Right. That could explain it. Thanks, Jane. I appreciate that thought very much. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Paige in Santa Monica. Hey, Paige, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thanks a lot. Sure. Um, I was telling Desi, I think, mm-hmm. um, what could possibly go wrong? I did notice before he was elected that he said he could uh, kill someone on Fifth Avenue and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got my attention. And then when he and his folks got into office, the first thing they attempted to do was to deconstruct an ethics department, and I was um, so outraged, I actually called KPFK, and I got through to the Lawyers Guild show. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot, and a whole lot of other people noticed so which which out into the streets. Which uh, deconstruct with which ethics department are you referring to? I am not in the in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and I really am not. I'm not okay. watching. You would okay. be much better able to to check. Well, you out. might have been talking about the the Office of Governmental Ethics, which was uh, previously headed by Walter Schaub, who uh, ultimately resigned because he felt he was. Uh, that there was nothing he could do there. He was coming out with one pronouncement after another about how Donald Trump was breaking the law, violating norms, violating ethics agreements. Uh, So he ultimately left. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Yes. The woman ambassador that this government got rid of before starting Mm -hmm. their um, 
Giuliani or Marie uh, Yovanovitch in Ukraine. Right. Masha they wanted yeah. her out of the way. Yep. I think she was a bit too ethical. Yeah. She wasn't partisan. She was ethical, and that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. It's a big problem that he want he give the national parks to fossil fuel yep. to drill, put kids in cages. Uh, why can't a corporation dump in a river? Why is it bad if a fire comes out of your faucet instead of water? Well, you've jumped topics, but you're right about all of it and uh, reason to worry about all of it. Thank you, Paige. Thank you. I appreciate the call. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I uh, well, you know what? I'll take let me take a a quick break here and we'll come back with more of your calls. I'm but I'm noticing and I don't know if it's because Roger in Minneapolis uh, scared them off, but I'm noticing all of the calls, Desi, we had after the first week yep. of people saying, oh, he shouldn't be impeached. Where are they? I Why don't aren't they know. calling us after the second week? Does that mean that they watched the second week of hearings and they feel like maybe they don't have as strong a case and maybe they favor impeachment? I don't know. I don't know either. If you're out there, we'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. As I say, a lot of folks need some practice for Thanksgiving when they meet their relatives who are out there uh, saying nothing happened here. It's all a sham, a hoax, and a witch hunt. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at Brad bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Now they're planning the crime of the century. Well, what will it be? Well, we may be seeing it already. If not, if they are let off the hook for what they have done up till now, then... You can bet your bottom dollar they will be planning the next crime of the century if and when Donald Trump is reelected for a second term. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com taking your calls on impeachment at 818-985-5735. In the words of former Republican Congressman Justin Amash of Michigan, he's still a congressman, but he's no longer a Republican. He's now a an independent, if a libertarian-leaning one. Uh, He told HuffPo last week that um, Republicans are hoping to simply confuse the public, which is one of the reasons I'm trying to inform and unconfuse the public. Amash told HuffPo in an elevator full of his former Republican colleagues last week, quote, they talk about it like we're all stupid, like we can't see what's going on. Sondland testified to a quid pro quo. He testified to significant details and facts. He testified that he thought it was wrong. So the inference 
says Amash, is obvious that the president was withholding security assistance. HuffPost says when we pressed Amash on what he would say to GOP legislators, like the ones standing beside him in the elevator, uh, who say it's not obvious, Amash was not sympathetic to them. He said, it just is. It's just obvious. If this were any grand jury proceeding, it would be obvious to everyone. Just one of the reasons why Justin Amash is one of the very few recipients of the uh, much-coveted Brad blog. Uh, what do we call it? The uh, Brad blog. Intellectually, uh, intellectually Honest, honest Conservative honest. Award. Thank you very much, Desi <laughs> Doyen. Your calls again, 818-985-5735. Let's go to Joe in West L.A. Hey, Joe, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Hanging hey, in there. I just wanted to say that it didn't change anything about the administration, but it, it really has changed. I cannot believe that there are people who believe any of their, the Republican response to this. I, I, I just have a hard time believing that people in this country are stupid or unwilling to be informed as they are. It's shocking. It, it is shocking. It is gobsmacking, which is why, whether, uh, you know, it, it drives people like you and me crazy, why we have to, I'm afraid, uh, keep pounding the facts out there why, because why, why, they're... I don't even yeah. understand why, they, why citizens would defend this guy. I don't even understand that, except for a very few, you know, psychopaths. But we have a lot of people in this country backing this guy. And I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, uh, you know yeah. And we, like I said, we heard from a lot of people here in L.A. who were backing this guy. I did not That's understand right. why there were people backing George W. Bush as he was committing war crimes in a war that he knew before it was well, launched for no reason. But, you know, yet you always had 30 or 40 percent. That is yeah. apparently America at least right now, at least until we restore an independent media out there who are willing to tell the truth about what is and I isn't going on. Hey, uh, th that, thank you, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that call. That's why, of course, Pacifica Radio, uh, our station here, our flagship station in Los Angeles, KPFK, are so important. And why is so important that you support independent media, whether it's Pacifica Radio or any other? Because uh, I tell you what, people like me are fighting like hell to stay on your public airwaves and tell the truth. Greg in Santa Clarita, welcome to the broadcast, Greg. Hello, Brad. Hey. How are you? I'm okay. What's up? So I'm calling because... I'm calling because yeah. I'm about the articles that are the sorry articles of impeachment that the House is going to put forward. Yeah. My question is: Do you think they're going to go for what a prosecutor would do against a perpetrator of crime? Throw everything against the wall, see what sticks, or are they going to narrow it just to Ukraine in the hopes that mm, the majority of their Democratic uh, reps would all agree and vote for it? You know, I do not know. I don't have any inside sources on that. But I would say uh, there, there's two separate considerations here. One, uh, I think they know they should make a longer list of impeachable uh, articles of impeachment than has ever been seen for any president. Uh, they know they have the evidence to support all of it. But there is the political consideration in that we're heading into a presidential election next year. The longer the list of articles of impeachment, the longer it is going to take to hold a trial to work work through all of the witnesses and all of the evidence. 
And uh, I think they may have uh, a good reason to try to keep it short and sweet and uh, really tightly focused as much as I would like to see a long list on, on all of those things, Greg. Yeah. Well. Just a guess, though. We, we don't know. Anybody who tells you they know what's going on is lying. There's a whole bunch of people right now just making this stuff up as we go. Nobody knows where this goes, Greg. I got to get out. Thanks, Greg. I, I do appreciate the call, my friend. Uh, one more. He's always, uh, we always save the best for last. Oh, Morris in Long Beach. What's going on, my brother? Uh, Brad, we should all remember that uh, truth and facts have no relevance in American politics. All right. And lying is not an impeachable offense unless you are a Democrat. Yeah. All right. Well, as long as it's on my watch, my friend, uh, they will have relevance in American politics. And where they don't, we will keep fighting like hell for them to do so. Because, yes, some of us do believe in truth and facts. And we try to share them every day so that you, in turn, can do your duty as a citizen and share them with the people that you know. And then come election time, vote based on those facts. We got to get out. My uh, thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our soundboard operator today, Gary Baca. Thank you, brother. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. My thanks to uh, all the callers uh, who rang in today. It's always great to hear from you. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the bradblog. And my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to keep us on your public airwaves five days a week. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.